help to uh, hear what he might have to say to us today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to be your followers. But more than that, you've called us to be your children. Children that are loved by you. Children that are meant to bear the family resemblance. In other words, to be like you. This morning, this passage... Uh, is going to challenge us about that and we pray that you might have press an imprint upon our hearts the wonderful truths that you have for us and maybe we may we be willing to change so that our lives match up more with you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You know, growing over the back fence over here, there's a, uh, a lovely big passion fruit vine. Uh, some of you who have uh, been working in the, uh, the uh, um, garden area and that sort of thing around the place, you might have noticed that passion fruit vine over there. You might have even been like me and actually gone over to have a bit of a look at the passion fruits to see if there's any actually passion fruits on there. I love passion fruit. You know, I didn't go over to that passion fruit vine expecting, no, to find apples. I didn't go over to that passion fruit vine expecting to find oranges or lemons. No, I expected to find passion fruit. And the simple reason being is that it is not an apple tree or a lemon tree or an orange tree. It's a passion fruit vine. And as I went over there, you could see that it was a healthy, good plant because of all of the wonderful, huge, big, heavy passion fruit that are hanging from that vine. I mean, if it had, any, if it had hardly any fruit on it or fruit that had uh, been all withered and horrible, then you could have said, well, that is actually not a very healthy or good plant at all. In fact, it's a bad plant. Here in Luke 6, 43 to 45, Jesus is drawing an analogy like that. He's drawing an anal analogy from the agricultural world when he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, and no bad tree bears good fruit. Or if we want to put it in a positive way, a good tree will only produce good fruit, and a bad tree will produce bad fruit. The point Jesus is making is this, very, very simple each tree is known by its fruit, the quality of its fruit. Each tree. And of course, the tree that Jesus is referring to here isn't. He's actually referring to, to us. And depending upon. What those actions and what our actions and behaviours are, whether they're good or bad, these things ultimately point to the type of person that the individual is. As the fruit is the evidence of that person's character or nature. This passage this morning points out first 
right in the very first verse, in verse 43, that there are both good and bad trees, or people. And when we sort of think about that, we, we, we get this kind of uh, image or understanding in our minds about what we understand to be good and what we understand to be bad. But the thing we need to understand is this, that the, the term good here, I want to make sure that it's very, very clear in our minds because often, often we can understand you know, something is good is something that's nice or something that's, 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 um, that's, that, that's morally good and that sort of thing. But the good here used in the original language is, is that which is, which is excellent in both its nature and its characteristics. It refers to the way that something should be in, regards to, in regard to its function and its purpose. In other words, it, it operates the way it should do in terms of, its, in terms of its, the way it should be, its function and its purpose. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a rightness about it and there's an appeal about it. Is that the kind of good that you've got in mind? Because that's the kind of uh, impression that we need to have in our minds this morning about what is good. It's, it's something which is operating properly and rightly in its function and its purpose. A bad tree refers to that which is the opposite. In other words, it's not operating as it should. It's corrupt and it's decaying and it's harmful rather than helpful. And so the question as we come to this passage this morning, the question that, that is sort of really jumps off the page of this, if you like, is this. Is Jesus wants his audience, his, the, the people that he's hearing, his, his, uh, this, this particular message that he's preaching here on this plane, and, and for us today as we read Jesus' words ourselves, Jesus is actually wanting us to, to, to ask ourselves, what kind of tree are we? He looks, Jesus wants us to look within our own hearts to determine what kind of tree we are. And the way that we tell this is by examining the fruit of our lives, our actions, our behaviours and our motivations. If we think about our lives... We need to say what actions and behaviours are most evident in our lives. What, what are the things that characterise us on a day-to-day basis? You know, if someone was actually to, uh, to be asked about us, you know, what kind of a person is such and such, what would their response be? And I'm not just talking about any person in the street or people, you know, sort of might make our acquaintance, you know, from time to time and that sort of thing. I mean the people who really, really know you. Husbands, what about our wives? What would our wives say about us? Parents, what would our children say about us? What would those closest in that, that, that inner circle of people that we have, those who we kind of let in to, you know, when we, who we let down the barriers with, who we show our vulnerabilities with and that sort of thing, what do they, what would they have to say about us in terms of things that characterise us as a person? Would it be anger? Having lived with a very angry person in my household growing up as a child,
eggshells. You've got to watch everything that you do and say so that you don't cause that person to erupt in this huge explosion of anger. Do you have a reputation for being angry? Do you have a short fuse? Are you like that person who I just described who suddenly erupts into a rage and vents your frustrations on those around you on a regular basis? See, the things I'm going to be talking about here, and I'm only just mentioning a few as well, they're not... This isn't any kind of comprehensive list or anything. This is just something just to sort of get us thinking. Good at putting on facades. About putting, you know, putting on an image for those around about us and that sort of stuff. But it's these things actually really come to the fore in our most unprotected moments. In those moments where, you know, we, the, the, uh, the, the shackles are, 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 are cast off and all of a sudden, you know, what's inside us comes, comes spewing out. That's what I'm talking about here. Not just, not just, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a nice, good person, that sort of stuff. But I want you to really think about, Jesus wants us to really, really think about those moments in our lives. Do you have a reputation, perhaps, for being a gossip, that when you hear, you know, news or, you know, you've, uh, you've you've just got to go and tell somebody about it. You can't keep that thing to yourself. Or, you know, you 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 look at a, another person's behaviour and you've actually got to go and talk to someone else about that and actually gossip about them, and it, because it makes you feel better about yourself. Thinking generally only of yourself and your own comforts. Not willing to put yourself out for others or to make sacrifices. Very much focus all around you. Are you a lazy person? Just... It's just too, things just take too much effort. I'd rather just not do that. I just can't be bothered. That kind of, that kind of, you know, sort of thinking. Are you a proud person? Think perhaps a little bit more highly of yourself. You should. Do you find yourself frequently looking down on others? making critical comments about them. See, these fruits are what Jesus here is referring to as the bad fruits. And they point to a deeper issue. The behaviours point to a deeper issue, Jesus is saying. The deeper issue has to do with our hearts. The Apostle Paul writes about this kind of fruit in Galatians 5, verses 19 to 20 and 22 to 24, where he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, and, and things like these, Paul says. In other words, there's all this list and everything else that's like them. So Paul is just trying to be as comprehensive as he can here. And he speaks of these as being works of the flesh. In other words, things that are produced because of our sinful nature, because we are indeed sinful human beings. And when our sinful nature is in control, we can expect to see these types of characteristics, this type of fruit in our lives. But he goes on to say, in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, he says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, what Paul is saying here is this, as we listen more closely to the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit in our lives and as we surrender more to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, then we can expect to see more of this kind of fruit evident in our lives. And the Holy Spirit helps us to say no more often to our sinful nature and its passions. That's what putting them to death and crucifying means. It means giving them no life in us. Instead, we seek to set our minds and our hearts on things that please God. Now, Jesus has been speaking here in this particular uh, sermon on the plain. It's, it's, it's referred to here in Luke's Gospel. And he's been talking about uh, things which are very, very similar to, as I said last week, to, to his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus is, is, is trying to, to, to help his hearers to understand is that when you become part of the kingdom of God... God is wanting to, to shape us and mould us and fashion us into a community of people that shine the light of Jesus to those around about us. last few weeks we've heard messages on loving our enemies and, and not judging others but being forgiving and, and giving people. Jesus is, is following that up this morning with this message about a tree and his fruit and he's saying, you know, the good fruit is seen when we do love our enemies. When we do show love and grace towards those who actually would oppose us and who would speak ill of us and actually would, would, would want to treat us 
incredibly badly and horribly. Jesus is saying in loving your enemies, it's actually wanting their best and actually working for their best. That's the kind of good fruit Jesus is speaking about here in this passage. That's the kind of fruit that Jesus is wanting to produce in us and that he's looking for in us. The good fruit is seen when we don't size people up and write them off. But instead, we seek to get alongside them and encourage them and nurture them and help. The good fruit is seen when we are forgiving towards one another and when we are generous and gracious towards one another and to those around about us. That's when the light of Jesus shines most brightly in us and through us. Bible commentator Warren Wiersbe states, this illustration of the tree reminds us that fruit is always true to character. An apple tree produces apples, not oranges, and a good person produces good fruit, not evil. He goes on to say, and I think this is a pretty important clarifying point, believers, followers of Jesus, do sin, and we do fail in this, but the usual and normal witness of our words and our works is consistently good to the glory of God. There, was a, there is a growing in this. There is signs that, that, that we are actually getting better in this, that there is more fruit being produced in us. Each tree is known by its fruit, and the fruit is the evidence of the person's character or nature. The next thing Jesus teaches us from this passage is that the fruit of our lives might be the evidence, but our hearts are indeed the source of the fruit. Look at verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. Our heart is the very core of our being. It shapes everything about us. We might think of our heart as this pump that you know, sits here in the middle of our chest and pumps blood through our bodies, but, but the Jewish understanding of heart and God's understanding of heart is more than that. It is, it is that which, which, which ultimately determines all of our thoughts and our emotions and our will. It is the very core of who we are as a person. Who we are emanates entirely from our heart. We might think of it in terms of DNA. You know how DNA of a person forms everything about their physical character, the physical aspects of who we are. Our DNA forms that in us. It determines that. It determines our physical makeup, but our heart is like that and it determines our character makeup. And the fruit is the evidence, but the heart is the source. 
Again, we hear that word good. And the word good here is a little bit different to the, uh, the word good in verse 43 because here good refers to that which is inherently good in quality but with the idea of good which is something which is profitable, useful, which benefits others, which is disposed of doing good and of being good. All of these things here in this particular passage, in fact, in, in, lot, in, in, in most of Luke 6, really is dealing with heart issues, our hearts, not just our actions. And so it's, you know, Jesus is saying, it's not just, it's, I just don't want to see the outward behaviour just you know, um, focused on here. But Jesus wants to get to what, where all this stuff actually really um, springs from, and that is our heart. The Christian life should not primarily be about behaviour modification, but about heart transformation. And so often we, we, we do the opposite. We treat it as just the behaviour modification. And parents, we can be guilty of this with our kids as well. There was a really good analogy that I heard during the week, and I've seen it myself at home. Over, the back, over my back fence, we're on a sort of a bit of a rock retaining wall, and there's a bit of a drop-off, but the fence is set back a little bit from the retaining wall so that there's about a, almost a metre a metre gap there, and you can sort of walk along there. Well, I don't generally go over the fence very often, and growing up behind the fence are trees and lantana bushes and all sorts of stuff behind there. I've been over there before and I've sort of cut the tree off at the stump and I put some poisonous stuff like that, like that on it. But inevitably what happens is that sooner or later little shoots start growing again from the stump. And you can cut all those things off as much as you like and it's good to do that. But ultimately if you don't deal with the root and kill the roots... Those things are going to continue to grow, aren't they? That's what Jesus is saying here. He needs to deal with the roots in our life and they stem from our hearts. As I said, we can cut the things off in our lives which are not good, but if we don't deal with the heart issue, with the root issue, then they will continue to grow back. And we need to deal with this root cause of sin in our lives and in our hearts. We need God's spirit to help us to do that. We can't do it in and of ourselves. And that's why when it comes to having a relationship with God, we can consider ourselves to be good people. You know, fairly morally upright people and stuff like that. God says, you know, it's not just about your outward behaviour, but it's actually about what's inside you. And every single one of us is broken. And God understands that. God understands our brokenness. 
but he doesn't want to leave us in those broken states. He wants to lift us out of that to something better. And in order to be right with God, it's not about just trying to meet some kind of standard. It's actually about recognising that our hearts are fundamentally flawed and we need a new heart. And only the Spirit of God can give us that. So we need to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit, but we also need to recognise that we've got a part to play as well. Just draw your attention for a moment to just the pastor's pen that I've written the last uh, couple of months in the newsletter, and just want to draw your attention just to a, a, a paragraph that I, that, I've, that I wrote here. I said, above all, a disciple is someone, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, by the way, someone who's committed to following Jesus, is someone who is on a learning journey committed to becoming more like Jesus in character and action. They have a dedication to developing spiritual practices which assist in facilitating that transforming environment in which the Holy Spirit works. They have a humble dependence upon the transforming work of the indwelling Spirit of God, recognising that ultimately discipleship is a work of grace. So in other words, both God and the believer contribute to the discipleship process. Please don't ever fall for the lie that you do sometimes here in Christian circles where it says, let go and let God. God has a part to play and we have a part to play. And yes, we are entirely 100% reliant upon God's help. But we must also contribute. We begin by recognising our need, firstly, for God to change us, recognising that we have a heart issue and that we need to have a renewed heart and spirit within us, which is the work of God. Psalm 51.10, which is on the screen there, says, David says, Right, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Folks, that's the starting point. If we want to see the, change, the changes in our lives that start bringing about this, this good fruit, that's where it's got to start. It is us coming before God humbly on our knees and saying, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. But then we need to cultivate those godly things in our hearts. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 4, verses 8 to 9. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. Focus our minds and our hearts on these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul writes, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, Paul is saying here that 
that there are things that are right for us as followers of Jesus to focus our minds and our hearts and our attention on and there are things which are not helpful for us and good for us. Paul says that he's tried to model these things in his own ministry, in his own life. And so he can say to the, to the Christians that he's writing to, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, then, then they're the kind of things that you need to practice. I think I've told you this once before, but a number of years ago we were in Newcastle and I was um, pastoring the church down there and we had a fellow come and stay with us, a pastor from Africa, his name was Daniel. I don't think I've ever come across someone whom I have seen Christ-likeness to the level that I saw in this man. It kind of just oozed from him. There was, a, there was an incredible godliness and Christ-likeness to him and it, just, it was just a joy just to be in his presence. By how he lived his life. And that left a bit of an impression on me as a, as a young man then. And people like that that I've, that I've come across and encountered in my life and, been, and have seen these kinds of good fruit in their lives, they're the kinds of things that I've also sort of tried to think, yeah, that's what I want for me in my life. What you have learned, received, heard and seen, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. need to do is we need to protect our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life. We need to monitor what enters our hearts. And what enters our hearts primarily goes in through these and these. Right? We need to monitor and be very, very careful and guard against the things that we actually allow into our lives that will actually influence and impact our hearts. We need to ask ourselves what we are allowing into our hearts that are causing the kind of fruit that we are seeing in our lives, those actions and behaviours. And it means addressing and acting upon that which causes what we might see as being bad fruit. Now I've got a few examples very, very quickly here just to sort of try to crystallise this for us in our minds. But can I say, first and foremost, it could take the form of relationships in our lives. What people and relationships am I cultivating in my life? And are these relationships keeping me in a place that God does not want me to be? 
are these people and relationships helping or hindering me to be the person God wants me to be? Can I say that this is probably one of the the hardest ones to deal with? Because ultimately we all crave acceptance and love and belonging, don't we? Ultimately, each and every one of us, we just want people to accept us and embrace us and love us and see value and worth in us. But who are the people that we are going to to find that? And are they the people who we who are helping us to be formed and fashioned more into the image of Jesus, or are they not? What about things we are looking at, things that we take in with our eyes that impact the character and quality of our hearts? What books and magazines are we reading, are we filling our minds with? What worldview and values are they helping to shape in me? Are they godly or are they worldly? What am I looking at on the internet or social media? Are these things good for me and honouring to God? These are the questions we need to be asking ourselves. Are they helping to foster Christ-likeness in me or not? Are they developing in me a mind and heart that is focused on building God's kingdom or building my own? Of course, the same could be said about what TV shows or movies we watch. Are these things causing us to lose a sense of, of reality in our lives? Just a funny thing this week, I was just reading this latest Avengers movie. One of the stars in the movie, Chris Pratt, has actually been getting personal hate mail from fans of the movie because of a particular action that his character actually did in the movie. People have lost touch with reality. But it's because they're just continually filling their minds with stuff which, which distances them from reality. What impact do the hobbies or interests that I participate in have on my heart? Do they lead me more to Jesus and his purposes for me or do they take me further away from him? These are hard questions, aren't they? But they're all questions which if we are serious about our relationship with Jesus, then they're questions which we need to be asking ourselves on a regular basis. But not just asking ourselves questions, but actually when we see the evidence, we need to be acting on it as well. Ultimately, Jesus says that the way in which we can be assured that our lives will bear much fruit for him is to abide in him or remain in him. John 15, you put the slide up for me if, there, if you can. So Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except in a, it, it abides in the vine, no more can you accept ye abide in me. I'll put up a, a, uh, probably the King James Version there by the looks of things. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, I will bring forth much fruit. But without me, we can do nothing. You can do nothing. We need to remain attached to Jesus as the the vine. That means clinging on to him, being near him. That means reading his word, prayer, fellowship with believers, all those things. We need to be cultivating those things in our lives so that we abide and we remain in Christ. And we need to store up his word in our hearts. Psalm 119 verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. This is how Jesus countered Satan's temptations in the wilderness. Because he had the word of God there in his heart, it was come completely to mind when faced with temptation. And he was able to combat that temptation with the word of God. We need to store up God's word in our hearts. I can't think of any other way that we store and hide God's word in our hearts apart from reading it. Can you? If you can think of any other way, please come see me later. I'd love to talk to you about it. But I don't think there is. But can I say lastly, and I'm going to close with this. And I want us to hear this clearly this morning. That finally and most importantly, what we need to do is we need to continually remind ourselves of the great mercy and grace of God revealed to us in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are going to fail. In seeing this kind of fruit in our lives, we, and I read this this morning, I'll, see, I'll, I'll try and get it right if you're a bit of a, uh, a person who knows their music. It's more, our spiritual lives can be more of another one bites the dust than we are the champions. Sorry for those of you who just, that's just gone over your heads. That's the tune we so often think happens in our lives. We're going to fail. But our failure does not write us off in God's eyes. It doesn't write you off in God's eyes. God is at work continually. And can I encourage you? I've been reading a book in the last couple of weeks and, uh, and um, I'll put um, the, the, the name and the title out in the next uh, prayer notes that we put out next week. There is a book, and if you can get hold of it and read it, I really encourage you to. It's called The Imperfect Disciple. Grace for people who can't get their act together. It's by a guy called Jared Wilson. It is excellent. Because ultimately we are imperfect disciples. And if you're anything like me, you can't get your act together. And there's some wonderful truths that, we, that, you, that, that, that God has shown me through this particular reading, this particular book, this last couple of weeks, and I'm, and I'm sure he will show you as well. But ultimately, saying that 
What God began in you, and this is Paul's words in Philippians, what God began in you at at conversion, God will continue to bring about to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Jude talks about it in Jude 24. He says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his glory. One day he is going to present you faultless in the very presence of the glory of God. That's what God is working at right now. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, The life which I now live in the flesh, in this earthly body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. Every single one of us are living our lives today in this physical body and we're going to wrestle and we're going to struggle as we seek to to see more of this good fruit produced in us. But we need to remember that this life which we now live in the flesh, we need to live by faith in the Son of God, trusting in him every minute of every day. And we can do so assuredly because we know that he loved us and the way he showed us he loved us is that he gave himself for us. Jesus died for you that he might present you faultless before his beautiful glory. So my question that I leave us with this morning is this. If God thought that you were worth dying for, in all of your brokenness, in all of your sin, in all of your failures, in order to present you like that before himself, if God saw you as worth dying for, then isn't he worth living for? Let's pray. Father, this morning we just want to ask that you would help us to remember those words that the life we now live in the flesh We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. May we go out into this week and into all of the situations and circumstances which we'll encounter as we seek to go out there and and live our lives for you. Help us to go out there in the confidence of knowing that you loved us and you died for us. that you might present us perfect in Jesus. May you give us the grace to live like this. Give us the strength each day to live by faith.
in the Son of God. And as we do so, may you continually produce your beautiful and glorious fruit within us that not shine the light on us, but which point people to the grace and goodness of our God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.